Hello, church. Everybody good today? It's a little unseasonably cold in Florida, isn't it, this weekend? And I'll be the first one to admit I'm a wimp when it comes to um, cold weather, okay? I just don't like it. You see, I'm kind of dressed in my winter garb today. For those of you that might be tuning in online today from another part of the country, especially if you're on the East Coast, I want you guys to stay warm, stay safe, and uh, hope that you have a great um, day today. So welcome to church. Uh, Welcome to Epic Church. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And um, I get the privilege today to wrap up our current sermon series called Seek First. And if you've been with us over the last um, several weeks, what we've been looking at is something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to get to that in just a second. Um, But let me tell you a little bit about um, as we wrap up today and as we head toward next week, what you can expect, okay? For those of you that have been engaging in our two-week fast over the last couple of weeks, uh, today is the last day of our fast. Woohoo! Aren't you excited about that, all right? There's probably going to be a line out at Dunkin' Donuts after the service today. Um, And that's okay, all right? For whatever you've been uh, fasting from and fasting for, uh, we want you to know, but we've been praying for you over the last couple of weeks every single day. And uh, we just believe and trust that God is honoring that ancient spiritual discipline of fasting um, in our lives and that God is doing something in your life or he has done something uh, for you already. So we will finish our fast today. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about next Sunday. Next Sunday, February the 6th, is going to be a unique Sunday. So let me encourage you uh, to make it a point to be at church next week, either on campus or online. There'll be a way for everybody to participate. And uh, we're going to kind of celebrate what God has been doing uh, through our Seek First series. And we're going to have a special time of worship. Uh, Matt and our worship team are going to lead us in some amazing uh, worship music just to kind of get our hearts and our minds set on Jesus. We're going to have a time of open sharing uh, where both you folks that are on campus and even those of you that are watching online will be able to share maybe something that God has been doing in your life over the last couple of weeks as we've engaged in this series, as we've engaged in our fast. And we would love to hear from you. So let me ask you to think about that um, this week. Maybe write one or two things down that, that you might would be willing to share Uh, next Sunday morning as we wrap up this Seek series or this Seek First series. And we're also going to observe communion next week. And it's just going to be a powerful time of worship as we gather together in the body of Christ. Again, those of you that are watching online, you can participate in communion with us and we'll give you some instructions about that uh, as we get ready to do that um, next week. Okay. Uh, So let me just encourage you, make it a point to be at church next Sunday because it's going to be an amazing service. going to be a little bit different from what we normally do. Um, But we just believe that God's going to do some neat stuff and we're really excited about that. Okay. Uh, Jesus made a statement in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Uh, That's our memory verse for this series, okay? Uh, So I'm going to be a little hard on you today, okay? And uh, how many of you have made it a point, you've you've really, really, really worked hard over the last four or five weeks to memorize this verse of Scripture? Let me see your hand, okay? All right, I hope that you have. Uh, Listen, if you can memorize a song, and I know a lot of you guys sing in the shower, okay? Um, You can memorize phone numbers. You can memorize data. Uh, It's not that big of a stretch for us to memorize scripture, okay? 
So Jesus said something in Matthew 6, 33, and I want you to help me uh, with it today, if you will. So on the count of three, we're just going to kind of say our memory verse, but I want to kind of add a little something extra to it today to kind of help you remember where this is located, okay? So the way that I memorize scripture is I always say the address first and then the verse and then the address again at the end, because that helps me remember where it is located in Scripture. So on the count of three, we're going to say the address. I'm going to give that to you, Matthew 6, okay? And then we're going to quote the verse, and then we're going to say the address again. You got that? All right, if you got it, say uh-huh. uh-huh. All right, here we go. On the count of three, one, two, three, Matthew 6, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Matthew 6, 33. Give yourselves a hand. Good job. You sounded great uh, today, all right? Um, So that is an amazing passage of scripture that Jesus gave us. And in, in that verse, Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God. And so what we've been learning over the last few weeks is is we've been unpacking that. What does that really mean? And and in week number one, uh, Trent did a great job at helping us understand what it really means to, to seek God first and to put Jesus first in every single area of our life. Uh, we talked in week two about how to, uh, how to remove the barriers that keep us from being in a close relationship uh, with God and seeking him uh, for closeness. Uh, we talked about seeking freedom and maybe getting some victory over some things in our life that kind of hold us back or keep us from being everything that God created us to be. And last week, we had an amazing service around the idea of, of seeking healing. And we had a special time of prayer and some testimony to where uh, God has done some amazing things in some people's lives because at the end of the day, when it, when it comes to healing, God is the great physician. Uh, Jesus is the ultimate healer, and that certainly was part uh, of what he practiced in his earthly ministry while he was physically here on this, uh, on this earth. And it's certainly something I believe Jesus still does today because the Bible tells us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, today, as we wrap up the teaching part of this series, we're going to talk about this idea of, of wisdom and seeking wisdom. And I just want to ask a question today as we begin to think about um, wisdom today. How many of you would agree uh, that the world that we are living in today, that there are things that are very uncertain, that we don't have any control over? Anybody agree with that? Okay. Uh, For those of you that are on campus, for the most part, just about everybody raised their hand. And I'm sure many of you watching online today, you, you would agree that we live in a world that is very uncertain today. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have, I have spent the last 12 months, and for those of you that kind of know my story, this past January the 15th was one year from the day when I had quadruple bypass surgery, had open heart surgery, and it, it changed my life. Um, it helped me have a greater awareness of the uncertainty of life. And I have intentionally spent the last 12 months trying to figure out um, how to trust God in the uncertainty of life. And here's here's what I want to try to help us understand today, okay? Uh, There is a wisdom that we can know, 
that comes from the one who is, who is more powerful, who is greater, who has a totally different perspective on everything and anything that we face and encounter in life, there is a wisdom that we can know from God. So I want us to unpack this idea of, of what it means for us to, uh, to seek wisdom today. And, and I, wanna, I wanna try to answer four questions today as we talk about this idea of seeking wisdom. Uh, question number one uh, is just the simple question of what is wisdom? And if I were to ask you today, what is wisdom? I just, I, I wonder what, what you would say when it comes to, uh, to wisdom. If you were to look up the word wisdom in the, in the dictionary, uh, you would find a definition something like this, depending on what kind of resource that you used. Uh, wisdom is the knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment as to action. And there's a reason why I didn't put that on the screen, okay? Because if you're like me, when you read something like that, you kind of scratch your head because I'm a simple guy and I'm like, all right, what does that really mean? Uh, so as I began to process that definition of wisdom, I decided to simplify it. And this is the definition that I want us to, uh, to work from today when it comes to this idea of wisdom. Wisdom is simply the right use of true information. So let's say that together if we can, okay? So I'm going to ask you a question. What is wisdom? And after I ask you that question, I want us to say it's the right use of true information. Ready? What is wisdom? It's the right. Exactly. It's the right use of true information. This past July, I was at home alone. My, my wife was out uh, running errands and she was off and and I'm sitting in, 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 in my recliner and I was probably, I can't remember exactly what I was doing, watching TV or reading or something like that. And all of a sudden, uh, this alarm went off in our home that I didn't even know we had in our home. And, and it, was, it was louder than it. This bell just started ringing and this alarm started going off. I'm like, what? In, it startled me. I'm like, what in the world is that? So I began to process what that is. And what I found out is that connected to the smoke alarms and the fire, uh, the fire alarms and the smoke detector in our home is this massive alarm in our laundry room uh, that goes off when, when it detects that there's a problem in the home. And I, had, I knew that we had smoke detectors and I've had to replace batteries because you have that little annoying chirp every once in a while, you know, chip, chip. you can't find out where it's at. But I had no idea that this alarm was connected to it. And when it went off, it startled me. And in that moment, I, I had to process some information because there's a reason why that alarm is there. The reason that alarm is there is because it's there to protect me from, uh, from a fire that could possibly be in the home, right? So it was doing its job, but it was totally unexpected. To I was totally unaware of it. And it would have been very unwise for me in that moment to immediately dial 911 and start chucking furniture out in the yard and then wait for them to show up to try to figure out what in the world is going on. So you know what I had to do? I had to kind of step back from the situation and figure out, all right, this is something I've never experienced before. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know why this is going off. And I had to determine what was the real source 
of why this alarm was going off. And you know what? I'm glad that I didn't call 911 and start chucking stuff out in the yard, waiting on them to show up. Because what I found out is that before my wife left to go run her errands, she lit a candle in one of our bedrooms. And it was causing the whole system to go off. And, and, and it required a, a certain amount of wisdom. And here's the point I'm just trying to make. I know that's a simple illustration, uh, but the point I'm trying to make is that sometimes we have, to, we have to step back from the circumstances and situations in our life and look at things from a different perspective and take the true information that we have and make the right choice or the right decision. Because at the end of the day, we can have all of the knowledge and the facts that, that are on planet Earth. But if we don't know how to apply that to a certain circumstance or situation, then we don't always have the wisdom that we need. Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 7 uh, the writer says this, and by the way, the book of Proverbs, I would wholeheartedly recommend that you spend some time in it every day. You can read one chapter a day for an entire month, and you can read through the whole book of Proverbs every single month. It's one of my daily habits. I love to do that. And there's a ton of wisdom uh, from the writer of, of, uh, uh, of Proverbs, which most of the time is King Solomon. We're going to talk about him in just a minute. But here's what it says in Proverbs 4 and verse 7. It says, wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. So wisdom is the right use of true information. Wisdom is supreme, the Bible says. Question number two, uh, where does wisdom come from? Now, this is, the, this is the first and most important thing that we need to know about wisdom. Because the Bible tells us that, that wisdom comes from God. Therefore, we can say um, that it is possible for us to, to have godly wisdom. Uh, because wisdom comes from God. Listen to, again to what Proverbs says in chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And then in Psalm 111, in verse 10, David said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're going to unpack that little phrase there in just a little bit. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all who follow his instructions have good insight. Uh, king Solomon was the, the third human king of the nation of Israel. Uh, you had King Saul first, you had King David, which was Solomon's father, and then God made David a promise that, that one of his sons would be the next king of Israel. And when you come to the Old Testament and 2 Chronicles chapter number one, basically find Solomon's inauguration day, so to speak. Um, it was a, a day of much uh, pomp and circumstances you can imagine that a king uh, would have around his installation of his new kingship, but it was also a very spiritual 
uh, day in Solomon's life. It was a time when Solomon knew the value and the understanding of, of being in God's presence and submitting himself to the authority of God in his life. And as you read through First Chronicles, and you come to the end of the book of First Chronicles, you'll find that, that King David, his father, has passed away, and Solomon has now been installed as the new king of the nation of Israel. And you can read the first six verses, and, and I would challenge you to do that because it's an amazing picture uh, of how to set your heart and your mind on God so that you can receive something from God in those moments when you need something. And in verse number seven, here's what it says in Second Chronicles chapter number one. It says, that night, after, after Solomon had spent time worshiping God with all of the nation of Israel as he was uh, assuming his new role within the kingdom, verse seven says, that night God appeared to Solomon and asked him or said to him, ask, what should I give you? And then in verse eight, listen to Solomon's response. He says, and Solomon said to God, you have shown great faithful love to my father David, and you have made me king in his place. Lord God, let your promise to my father David now come true, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now grant me what? Wisdom. Now grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people for who can judge this great people of yours. In verse 11, it says, God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not requested riches or wealth or glory or for the life of those who hate you and you have even you have not even requested long life, but you have requested for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. God says wisdom and knowledge are given to you and I will also give you riches and wealth and glory such that it was not like this for the kings who were before you, nor will it be like this for those after you. So Solomon spends time in God's presence worshiping him and he, he offered sacrifices to God. And you can read that in the first part of the chapter. Then God reveals himself to him at night and he says, Solomon, I'm pleased with your attitude toward me. Ask anything you want and I'm gonna give it to you. Let me ask you a question. If God were to ask you, what do you want? What would you ask God for? Uh, that's a question that, that, that we, need to, we need to consider. If, if God said, hey, I'll give you anything that you want, just ask. What would you ask God for? And I have to admit, I probably want to be, would be very, very selfish in that moment. And I would probably ask God for something that that was not his best for my life. Maybe something that was material. Maybe to win the lottery or some possessions or, or something like that. But it all, it all goes back to our, our perspective on who God is and what he can do in us and through us, what he wants to do for us to help us navigate the, the uncertainty and the complexity of life that we have. So let me ask you another question. Do you imagine that God has a different perspective on life than you do? 
Do you imagine that God has a different perspective on life than what you do? Um, up until a, a, about a year and a half ago, I thought I had a pretty good perspective on what life was really all about. But because of some uncertain circumstances and situations that happened in my life, I realized really quick, you know what, Brian, you're not as much in control as what you think you are. And you don't have as much perspective as, as, as what you need. And what I'm learning over the last year in my life, what I'm learning is to seek wisdom from God. The one who does have the perspective on life that I need. The one who's calling me every single day to, uh, to lay myself down and to trust him with every single area of my life. And the Bible tells us that wisdom comes from God. And his desire is to give us the perspective that we need. And I would, I would recommend and highly suggest that you get in a habit on a regular basis of asking God for his wisdom to help you navigate the uncertainty of this life that we face. Question number three, why do we need godly wisdom? Why do we need godly wisdom? Well, the short answer um, to this question is so that, so that we can live a godly life. And I know we're in church, and when we hear that, we think, you know, that sounds good, and, and uh, I, I, I want to do that at some level, but what does that really mean, and, and what does that really look like uh, every single day as my life? How can I apply godly wisdom to my life, and, and why do I need it to help me live a life that honors and glorifies God and helps me see things from His perspective? Um, there's a, a beautiful passage in James chapter number three. And uh, I would encourage you to spend some time in James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. Uh, maybe sometime today or this week. I, I've added it to our spiritual growth challenge, which you can download from our website. Or if you're on campus, you can pick one up in our lobby as you leave today. And, and I've listed some things that we're gonna unpack here for just a minute. But I, I would highly recommend that you, you spend some time in James chapter three with this idea and this understanding of, of what it means or what it looks like for us to live with godly wisdom. And what James does is, is James contrasts in this passage of scripture uh, this idea of, of human wisdom and how we respond and react sometimes to, to godly wisdom and how God would have us to respond and, and act at times, okay? So, so let's look at some of these behaviors and some of these things that, that James talks about in, in James chapter number three. Here's what he says. He says, who is wise and has understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct with what? With wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and lie in defiance of the truth. Uh, such wisdom, he said, and he's talking about an, an earthly wisdom, a humanistic wisdom. He says, such wisdom does not come from above. Remember where he said a while ago, wisdom comes from God? Okay, so, so godly wisdom comes from above, where, where God is enthroned. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, is sensual, and demonic. And then verse 16, he says, for where envy and selfish ambition exist, 
There is disorder and every kind of evil. Now let's stop right there for just a second in, in, in verse number 16. Uh, can, can we agree that there is envy and selfish ambition that exists in our world today? It, it permeates our culture and our society everywhere that, that, that you turn. And the Bible says for where that exists, there is disorder and every kind of evil. And you don't have to look very far today to realize that the enemy never takes a day off in the world we live in today. He's never going to let up on the chaos and the disorder that he wants to cause and the confusion that he wants to bring into our life. That's why it's important for us to realize what is God's perspective on things. How can I see things from God's perspective and apply godly wisdom to the circumstances and situations that I face? So let's go on to verse number 17. But the wisdom from above, there's that godly wisdom, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peace-loving, then gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits without favoritism and hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So he contrasts this, this human wisdom with a godly wisdom and shows us some right attitudes and behaviors that we can live by as we apply godly wisdom to our lives. So let me just list them for you real quick, all right? He talks about, first of all, that uh, living a godly life and applying godly wisdom means that we are honorable. Uh, that means we show honor and respect to everyone. Uh, we are humble. Uh, we don't draw attention uh, to ourselves. We are, we are selfless. Uh, that means we think of others more than we think of ourselves, And that is contrary to the culture and the society that we live in. That's contrary to our own individual desires at times. He says we are selfless. We are, we are truthful. Uh, we're, we do not deceive or lie. We are pure. We strive to live untarnished lives with, with untarnished motives. We are peace-loving. Uh, we agree to respectfully disagree. That's something that I think we really need to apply in our world today. We need to learn how to be peacemakers. We need to learn how to be peace-loving. And we might not agree on everything uh, in our lives, but at the end of the day, uh, we can still be civil. We can still love each other. We can still respect each other. We can still be in relationship with each other and agree to disagree. He says we're also gentle. We consider the feelings of others before we act. We are merciful. We give second chances. Why? Because they've been given to us. We are impartial. We are fair with everyone. And we treat everyone the same. And then he says we are sincere. What does that mean? It means we're authentic. It means we're honest. It means we're real. Uh, what you see is, is what you get. And let, me, uh, let me ask you just to leave this list up here for just a second. I want you to think about these for an honorable, humble, selfless, truthful, pure, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, impartial, sincere. How are you doing? 
at those things? Isn't it hard to exhibit those behaviors in the world that we live in today? It's hard for me. I struggle. Because if you cut me off in traffic, I want to cuss you and I want to give you the number one sign. All right? I, 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 I listen, it's a, it, 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 there is, it's a constant battle between our human nature and the wisdom that we think is the right response and what God would have us to do in the moment to respond in a way that allows him to be first in our life and says to other people, there's something different about so-and-so. So how are you doing in those areas of your life? Question number four, how do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? I want to give you three real practical things um, that you can do uh, to gain a godly perspective um, in, in your life. The first one, very simply, the Bible tells us, we've already read it in Proverbs chapter one and verse number seven. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let me stop right there for just a minute. Talk about this idea of fear. He's not talking about being afraid of God, like being fearful of God, that God might strike you dead or throw a lightning bolt at you or, or cause some kind of sickness or disease uh, or something that God's going to uh, that, that God's going to do something in your life to get your attention. That's, that's not what he's talking about when he says uh, the fear of the Lord. When he's talking about the fear of the Lord, he's talking about a worshipful submission. He's talking about a reverential awe. He's talking about obedient respect. So you know the reason why we gather for worship when we gather together corporately as the body of Christ? It's so that we can set our heart and our minds on God and recognize God for who he is in our life and give him the glory and the honor and the respect that he deserves as king of kings and as Lord of lords. And, and it's, a, it's a surrender moment for us. It's God saying, saying God, I, I, I can't live in this world. I can't live my life from from the way that I want to live my life. God, I'm surrendering to you. I'm submitting to you. I'm recognizing you for who you are, for all that you've done for me, for what you're doing in me and what you want to do through me. And it's in those moments of worship and, and reverential awe and obedient respect that we learn the nature and the character of God. And the reason that it's important for us to know the nature and the character of God is so that we can apply God's wisdom to every area of our lives. So he says there again, Proverbs 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and fools despise wisdom and its instruction. Um, it's one of the reasons why, as you read that first Chronicles passage and you look at those first six verses, up until that time, God revealed himself to Solomon and asked Solomon, Solomon, just ask anything you want and I'm going to give it to you. There's, it's the reason why Solomon uh, practiced a, a time of worship at his inauguration. Because he recognized that he needed God's perspective in his life to lead the nation of Israel. And you know what I think God in that moment said, you know what, I'm pleased with that old boy. I'm going to ask him whatever he wants and I'm going to give it to him. I believe God wants to do the same thing for us. But we have to realize and understand that there is a, 
There is a component of, of worship and reverential awe and obedient respect in our relationship with God. And I just believe at times we're just way too casual about our relationship with God. And I hear people talk about God being the man upstairs or their buddy. And he is, both of those, no question about that. And I, I've even had people tell me from time to time, Pastor Brian, me and God, we, ha we have this understanding. And when I hear things like that, I'm just kind of thinking to myself, oh, really? What kind of, of humanistic, worldly wisdom do you have that you could bestow on the creator of the universe who could squash you like a pea if he, if he wanted to? What kind of wisdom do you have that you could bestow on the king of the universe who controls the atoms and the molecules of everything that, uh, that we know exists in all of creation? And I think God, in this season of uncertainty, and this is just my opinion, you can disagree with me, that's okay, but I think one of the things that God is doing in this season uh, of uncertainty is he's calling us back to a time of worship as his church. He's helping us to understand how much he is worthy of, of, of reverential awe and obedient respect to him in every single area of our life. And church, let me just tell you, if we're gonna live that way, we gotta have God's perspective on things. We've got to learn to see things the way that he wants us to see them. So we, it begins with a, with a fear of God, a, a worship, submission, respectful awe of who the God of the universe is. The second way we get wisdom, we just ask God. James chapter one and verse number five says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, that's me, all right, I, I got my hand raised there. There are moments in my life where I need wisdom from God. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should what? He should ask God. And look at what God promises us. Uh, who gives to all generously and without criticizing. And look here, and it will be given to him. Uh, back in week one, when, uh, or it might have been week two, I'm not exactly sure, but when Trent introduced our, our fast, our, our two-week fast, he shared that he was asking God uh, over the next couple of weeks in his time of fasting, uh, wisdom to lead our church. And um, he shared that with us. And I hope that you've been praying for our pastor. I hope that you've been praying for, uh, for Trent and for, for our leaders as we, as we navigate this season of life that we are in as a church and not only trying to figure out uh, what the future looks like, but how we nav navigate the, the uncertainty and the complexities of just things that, that we're dealing with every single day as individuals and as families and as a church family and the things that are happening in, in, in people's lives. And, and, and uh, we have been praying for you. For those of you that turned those cards in, we've been praying for you uh, every single day. And it has just been a fresh reminder to me as I've read the requests that you have put on your fasting cards and what we've been praying through. It's a fresh reminder to me that, God, we need your wisdom. 
We need your wisdom in every area of our life. God, without your perspective, without your wisdom, we're not going to be able to make it through uh, this season that we're in. But the Bible gives us assurance that if we will ask God for his wisdom, he gives it to all of us generously without criticizing and it will be given to us, the Bible says. God knows we don't have it all figured out. God knows that we, we need him. And I think sometimes God's just saying, you know, if you just ask me how to handle that circumstance or situation you're going through, or if you had asked me how to relate to that person that's in your life, that relationship that's just kind of contentious and strained and difficult, if you had asked me for my wisdom, I'd give it to you. So we need to fear God. We need to ask God. And then Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, you just need to hang out with wise people. Hang out with wise people. Look at what he says in Proverbs 13, verse 20. The one who walks with the wise. Uh, translation, the one who hangs out with the wise will become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. How many of you know that's true? Been there, done that too. My mama used to tell me all the time, Brian, you are who you hang around. And whoever you hang around with, whoever you spend the most amount of time with, I promise you, at some level, you are going to become like those people. And the Bible says, if you want to be wise, we've got to start hanging out with wise people. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. As we close today, I want to challenge you um, to take that list of, of behaviors that we talked about in um, in James chapter number three. And again, it's on your spiritual growth challenge. If you're watching online, you can download that from our website. If you're on campus, you can pick one up before you leave. But I wanna encourage you to take that list of attitudes and behaviors that are contrasted in James three with a human wisdom versus a godly wisdom. And as we close today, Matt and our worship team are gonna come and lead us in one more song. And, and I just want you to think about the idea of how you're doing in those areas. And, and today, maybe just pick one. Just pick one that you know you need to work on. And ask God today before you leave. In, in, in this moment where we're, we're spending one last moment of worship together, ask God to give you the wisdom that you need to exhibit that behavior better in your life. Here's what I believe. I believe God's going to give you the wisdom that you need. I believe he's going to give you the perspective that you need uh, to, to, to live out that attitude and that behavior that we talked about there in, in James chapter number three. Uh, this is not in your notes and it's not going to come up on the screen because I just read this yesterday in my devotional and just thought I'd close with it today. But in Ephesians chapter one and verse number seven, it says, in him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8 says that he lavished on us, look here, with all wisdom and understanding. He lavished on us with all wisdom and all understanding. And we live in a culture and a society, we live in a time where we have 24-hour news cycles uh, if we want the answer to anything, we just Google it. 
We've got smartphones and tablets that are at our, at our fingertips. But I would submit that we need the Holy Spirit, God himself, living in us to give us a greater wisdom than all of that technology combined can do. And if we'll turn to him and trust him, we'll be able to navigate the uncertainty of the current world that we live in. So our closing song is titled Spirit of the Living God. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you have the Spirit of God living in your life. The Bible says if you will ask him for wisdom, he will give it to you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, maybe there's an uncertainty about your spiritual life and, 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 and your future in eternity. Here's what I want you to know. God loves you more than you could ever imagine or dream. Jesus died on a Roman cross over 2,000 years ago so that your sins can be forgiven. And if it's the attitude of your heart today to say, I believe in Jesus, I believe he's God's son, I want to have a relationship with him, and I want to spend eternity in a perfect place called heaven. The Bible says you can be a child of God today. It's as easy as inviting Jesus to be your Lord and be your Savior. And the greatest decision you can ever make today is to say yes to Jesus. And allow him to lead you and guide you to be everything that he created you to be. He'll give you his wisdom if you'll ask him. He'll come into your life. He'll forgive you of your sins. And he'll take you to be with him in a perfect place called heaven forever and ever. So as we sing this last song, ask God for his wisdom in an area of, of your life where you need it most. And I believe he's going to give it to you today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, thank you for our time and your word. Thank you for wisdom um, that comes from you. And Lord, um, I don't know anybody's life here today. Um, God, I know where I'm at. And God, you know the desire of my heart is just to, to have your perspective on, on this life that I'm living right now. And Lord, there's so many things that I thought I had a pretty good handle on that I don't. And I'm learning just to trust you more than I ever have before. And that's hard for me. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me in those moments when I struggle with that. And Lord, I just want to recognize and acknowledge you for who you are today. Thank you for being an awesome God who loves me more than I could ever imagine or dream. Jesus, thank you for leaving heaven in all of its glory and coming to this earth and laying down your life on a cross and shedding your blood so that I could know you in a real personal way. Thank you that you're preparing a place for me. And Lord, I don't know... Um, how much time I've got left on this side of eternity, but I have an assurance and a hope and a trust in knowing that heaven is real. And one of these days, I'm going to spend eternity with you. God, help me to trust you with my life. Help me trust you with my future. Help me to apply your wisdom to every circumstance and situation that I face in my life. And I thank you today that you're going to give me the wisdom that I need to navigate and to do it well. So, God, I pray for every person here today that maybe that's the attitude of their heart as well. God, we need your wisdom. Or there's so many things that are so uncertain in our world and we struggle with. God, we need your perspective. We need your leading. We need your guiding. So I trust you today to give every single person the wisdom that they need. 
as they ask you for it today. For it's in your name I pray and ask these things. Amen.